Welcome back, everybody. It's really last one in our series of Digging Deeper. And I want to say um, as well, you may have noticed a strange bloke sitting at the front of the table here. This is Paul, um, my friend, an evangelist. Um, uh, a special welcome to Paul. And some of you will know that I taught Paul's course recently. So I think later on, he'd love to hear what you really, really think. Honestly, he really would. So, you know, grab him later and he'd love to talk about it, I'm sure. Um, I don't know about you lot, um, but this year has been quite a year for me. Um, I feel like I've been on a bit of a journey, really, with this whole evangelism thing. And in some ways, I feel that God is just beginning what he's doing here with us. Um, This year has seen me teach two evangelism courses and the formation of an evangelism team called the REACH team. And we'll be talking about that more later. I thought, because it's been a bit of a year and it's stretched out, we've had eight, this is our eighth session, so it's stretched out over a year, I thought it would be really good to have a quick reminder about what on earth we're talking about. For a start, who's Tim? Um, and, and then we'll take it from there. So anybody know who Tim is? Oh, that's correct, yes. Tim is short for Timothy. Yes, yeah, stop looking at the sheets. That's not fair. Um, so, so Timothy's obviously Paul's friend, isn't he? Uh, and we've been thinking about this uh, when Paul says to Timothy, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do work, discharge all the duties of your ministry. And we've been thinking about what it means for us to do the work of an evangelist, kind of as ordinary believers. Uh, and, and in doing that, we've had eight sessions and we've looked at... Um, a number of things, and I'm going to whiz through what we've done so far, because I think that will help. We've uh, talked about, uh, the first session was living, why? The why evangelism at all, um, and how in our changed and changing culture, our idea about the how of evangelism might need adjusting. Uh, then we talked about relating. Heather looked at the idea of building relationships with those we already know, with a certain intentionality, not in a forceful way, but in a way that earns us a right to be heard. And then because building uh, relationships is absolutely fundamental to what we're doing here, we spent a whole session about listening skills and listening as an evangelistic tool. Then Claire uh, encouraged us to think about sharing our story with people and the power of it and what we might want to share. Then we had a look at conversion as a journey a process, not an event. And we looked at what our role might be in helping our friends on each step of the journey. Then Heather taught us how to explain the gospel in a number of different ways. And then last time, um, I looked at how we might approach answering difficult questions. So where do we go from here? Well, tonight's topic is supporting. And really, what we'll be thinking about is the role of the church alongside personal evangelism. So the first question is, what do I mean by church? Do I mean the building? After all, we call that in there the church, don't we? And we call this in here the church centre. I have to tell you, of course, I don't mean the building when I talk about church. I hope you've all twigged that. Uh, Throughout the New Testament, the church is talked about as the body of believers. It's the community of people who are followers of Jesus. Um, For example, when Paul's writing to Philemon, his friend, he says, to Philemon and to the church that meets in your house. 
So he's talking to the people. So it's not about the building. Sorry, everybody. Uh, although, of course, the community of believers tends to be grouped locally together, and sometimes they have a building that we might call a church. But it's the people who are the church. I thought this looked a bit like, it's not projecting very well, what we look like on a Sunday morning. They, they're all really happy. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Um, <laughs> that's what it looks like when I'm, yeah, never mind. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yes, it's not about the building, it's about the people. So we're going to think about the body of believers and how we can support each other in evangelism and how loving each other makes our evangelism more effective. I might talk about the building in passing, so don't worry. Um, And I want to think about what's the role of the different people in our community of believers. What's the role of leadership? What's the role of the REACH team? What's the role of our small groups? And what's the role of each of us together? Those are some of the things we're going to be uh, trying to answer tonight. I thought I'd start by talking about our STEPS vision. Do you remember this at all? I really hope so. Simon really hopes so. This is, this is our, our, our church vision. It's a group of steps. And the idea is that we're all supposed to be moving up the steps as we travel on our spiritual journey together. And I wanted to start at the top step there, that rather precarious diving board-looking like step, the leadership step. I think it's balanced on the edge there um, to, to kind of signify... Andrew, I think you designed this, did you? Um, to signify that not not all of us go up that step. Um, I hadn't really noticed how precarious it was, that step, until I stepped up to it myself. Um, So what is it uh, that... What's the role of the leadership in uh, our church in evangelism? Let's look at this verse together, a few verses in Ephesians 4. So it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity of faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So here we have a model for church leaders and obviously you will notice The evangelist is in there. Uh, We'll come back to her in a minute. Did you notice the different gifts uh, that are given to the church and the purpose of that gift? The purpose of those leadership's gifts is to prepare God's people for works of service, to build up the body of Christ, so to, to equip the church. Now, it might seem obvious why pastors and teachers are on that list for equipping us, but, but why is the evangelist there? Surely, an evangelist's role is all about proclaiming the gospel to any unsuspecting victim who is unfortunate enough to cross their path. Or maybe the role of the evangelist is to make everybody feel guilty all the time about their lack of explaining the gospel. Uh, no, here the role... <laughs> everybody breathing a sigh of relief, here the role of the evangelist, like the others, is to prepare God's people for works of service. Now, I know that um, not every evangelist will have this role. 
And there are some of you out there, I know, whose primary role is not to equip others to do the evangelism, but rather your gifting works itself out in face-to-face, one-to-one thing with non-believers. Um, but do you think that this might be one of my roles? Um, I think so. Thank you, Sean, for nodding. You're supposed to nod and smile at me now because I do actually... <laughs> Best nod, Sean. Um, so part of my role here on the leadership team is to equip you lot for works of service, and particularly those works of service that have to do with sharing your faith. Now, of course, that's also the job of the other guys on the team, too. Paul was writing to Timothy, a pastor, and telling him to do the work of an evangelist, so the rest of the team's role involves equipping us all for evangelism. Now, that's ultimately what I've been trying to do this year, trying to begin to do, and I wondered whether you'd spotted that. Um, And it's what I will continue to try to do. Uh, We all need equipping for the task, Uh, even me. Uh, As Paul loves to remind me, I still have a lot to learn. Uh, And we could try and learn that together. That would be really good. I was only thinking on Thursday how much more equipping I needed as I talked with a non-Christian friend and watched him get really angry when I answered the question about whether I believed in creation or not. I felt like I needed to run and hide at that point. So there's equipping. So another role for leadership is encouraging. I can equip you with the tools, but then encouragement is needed to help you use them. Um, I love what uh, Paul says in Philemon, to Philemon, verse 6. He says this, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Isn't that encouraging? Paul is praying for his friend and fellow worker Philemon and his prayer encourages him in sharing his faith. Because Paul knows that sharing your faith helps you understand every good thing that you have. Do you think sharing your faith can help you do that? I believe it does. Sticking your neck out and talking about your story really helps you mature as you rely on him and as you listen to the spirit prompting you and acting on it. It's like this amazing positive feedback loop. Sorry, medical talk. Uh, Even if it doesn't go particularly well when you go for it. So my job, part of my job, is to encourage you guys in that. And and I want to mention at this point the REACH team Um, Could we have a wave from the members of the REACH team who are here? Yay, thank you. What's the role of the team? Simon's been asking me that all year. (laughs) What on earth is this this team for? Well, there are... You have. (laughs) I've been well out of context. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you have been. I have been asking what we're going to do. Yeah, okay. That's right. So there are lots of roles for the team. One of them, what I want to mention in particular, uh, is that we're there to encourage one another um, as we endeavour to share our faith as individuals and together. We pray for each other and for the people we have spiritual conversations with. We ask for wisdom in using the gifts we have and situations we find ourselves in. And we ask to be led by the Spirit in all that we do. 
we share our joys and sorrows, we get really excited when things appear to be happening, and we encourage each other when things seem like failures to pick ourselves up and believe that God's still at work in our friends' lives. Do you know what? I, I, I really love that bit about the team. Um, I've been sharing my faith out there for a while now, and do you know, it makes such a difference to have a group of people, a family to share that burden with, to encourage me and to stop me from giving up when things are tough. Because you know, evangelism is really hard work, and it means getting involved in people's lives, and it means risking getting hurt and rejected and misunderstood. So I need my family around me if I'm not going to give up on those that I love. I think I probably should mention a few of the other things that the team is involved in so that you know. Um, part of the team's job is to help me encourage you, so we're working on how we're going to do that. Uh, we run regular courses for people who are at the serious question-asking stage. Uh, we produce the community news and we're trying to make it more relevant to the audience out there. We are going to be putting together something special for Christmas. We're putting together a goodie bag to hand out to visitors and we're going to man like a welcome desk and it's going to be full of really good stuff. And we want to be a resource for all of you guys when we can. To be honest, I think we're just beginning to discover what God wants to do and use our team for. So watch this space. We'll try and keep you informed. So back to the leadership role equipping and encouraging there's another one empowering Jesus said but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth we are given power to be his witnesses by the Spirit and then Paul says this in Ephesians and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Of course, the spirit is in us individually, but also corporately. He dwells in us together and gives us power to be his witnesses together. So as a church people, the spirit empowers us for mission. And as a leadership, we want to empower you, give you the power to do the mission out there. So what does that mean in reality? Well, we want to find your gifting we want to fan it into flame uh, we might try and do that partly through the ministry course and other ways and then once we fanned it into flame we want to let you run with it being supported and encouraged by us so part of what I'm do trying to do with the reach team is to identify the things that are in people's hearts identify their mission fields and then empower them to go for it I like people to bring ideas and sometimes I think the ideas are brilliant and they don't need much work and sometimes I think some of the ideas need a bit of thinking through and sometimes I need to link people together who've got similar ideas. So the aim for me is to say, yes, you can do it. You really can do it. Go for it. And I want to be there to help and support you as you go for it. The other thing is, I think I want to be there when things don't go well to give you the permission to stop and just put it down to experience. So this empowerment thing is all about you guys doing it, not me. I want to effectively do myself out of a job. 
I like what Simon said a few weeks ago at the church meeting. I don't know if any, any of you noticed, but I did. He said um, that just because Julie is the head of evangelism, that doesn't mean that Julie does all the evangelism. I say, yes. Um, it's actually, uh, I can't help myself, but, you know, it's not about me doing all the evangelism. Much as I love bringing people to the Lord, and boy, do I love that, it's simply a, a question of maths, isn't it? Uh, so many more people could come to faith if I empower you guys to do it than if I try and do it all myself. And you never know, I might get a night's sleep thrown in. So I thought maybe at this point we could have a few questions. Uh, uh, there are going to be spots for questions throughout the evening. I like to be unorthodox and not just leave it to the end. And these are my questions, and I'm kind of really interested because... Um, this is what I'm trying to do, and I want to know, what is it that you would like? How would you like to be equipped? What ways would you like to be encouraged? Uh, how would you like to be empowered? And then there's a, a sub-question at the bottom about small groups. So maybe if you were to um, get into groups now and just have a chat through what I've said and see if you can answer some of those questions, and then, because I love using a flip chart, I'm going to write them on there and take it home with me. So if you, on your tables or whatever, I'll give you five minutes. And think about what's the role then of the church community? Uh, what's the role of the, the church community in engaging in mis- mission? Um, let's look at this passage in Acts about a community of believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Doesn't that sound great? Good. What I like particularly is the bit at the end, that the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. And I wondered... What it is, what is it about this community of believers that made them so attractive? Do you think it might have something to do with the way that they did life together? Is there something about the love between them that was visible to the world around? Jesus said, didn't he, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you think he has something to say to us about that, about living attractively as a community of believers, in doing life together, sharing our homes and our possessions, our meals, and having everything in common? People might know then that we're Jesus' disciples. So I think that we need to work really, really hard at being a community that really loves each other. Not just on a Sunday, in a Sunday way, whatever that means, but every day of the week. 
and not when it's just easy to love one another, but when it takes determination and grace, because that's what makes us different to the world out there. And I think it's really important that that needs to be visible to those around us, or they just won't know that it's going on. So I wonder how the early church made their love visible. Um, Did you notice that they met in the temple? I mean, you could just skip over that and think they were at church. But actually, they weren't, were they? They were in the Jewish temple, full of people who'd put Jesus to death. It wasn't cosy in the temple. Perhaps they were there deliberately because that's where the people were who needed to hear about Jesus, the real Jesus. And then later in Acts, by Acts 8... The result of them being really visible was this. They stoned Stephen to death, and on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. You might think that that kind of persecution would shut them up, wouldn't you? But it didn't, and in fact it brought about God's plan for them to get out of Jerusalem and go to Judea and Samaria. And if you notice, the apostles are left behind, and it's the ordinary believers who go about spreading the word as they go. Um, Being visible as a Christian community is why the religious leaders were so upset, and they tried to shut them up. So what am I trying to say about the role of our community? Well, I think firstly, as a community, we need to be as visible as possible. And I don't mean we floodlight the front of the church, if that's what you think, before we get any crazy ideas. What I mean is, how do we make our relationships, our community of believer relationships, visible to the world out there? I think we might have had a hint already, um, but I'd like us to think about that question, maybe in a big group, because we've talked about a little bit already. How can we show our neighbours our friends and family, our colleagues, what our church family relationships are. How can we share our community with others? I'm looking stunned. This is entirely for Paul's benefit. I'm going to try and sound clever, but in fact it's a really straightforward idea and it's full of common sense. Um, On the Master's course we've talked a lot about Um, being an incarnational community and it's a big word and it just means that instead of trying to attract people from out there to come in here all the time we take Jesus out there to them to the karaoke bar maybe so that's all the incarnational means it's really quite straightforward actually it's a bit of a, a leap in thinking isn't it, sometimes, because we're used to doing that attractional kind of thing. It's the model of church that we've been brought up with. Um, You know, if we just get the service right, or the event right, or the program right, we're going to attract them, and they're going to come in here and find Jesus. I I think that's to do with um, the hangover from living in a Christian country, Uh, and to a certain extent, that used to work. Uh, People knew that if they wanted to find God or the meaning to their lives, all they had to do was find a church, come in, listen to what was being taught and believe it. 
that would sort them out. Well, do you know now it's really different? And we actually live in a post-Christian country um, where the church is actually utterly irrelevant and at worst considered dangerous, so one of my non-Christian friends tells me. And if people are looking for God, they'll look in almost any other place than the church. They'll try anything, won't they? Uh, Yoga, crystals, meditation, money, sex, drugs, Buddhism, ecology, anything, anything but Jesus. And that causes us a bit of a problem. And maybe they look everywhere else because they can't see an authentic Christian community. We're not visible enough. And I think that means that we have to adjust how we are from being attractional, mainly, to being incarnational. The Kite family, sorry, that doesn't show very well. This is my family. We learned a new skill recently. Uh, That's Adrian with a fishing rod. These are my boys. Can you see Alid is looking really, really fed up? (laughs) We learned a new skill. Chris Elwis gave us some rods and really detailed instructions about what we had to do with these rods in order to fish in this pond. I have to tell you, fishing is much harder than it looks. Um, We didn't catch anything, um, and I think actually the boys were deeply traumatised by it. (laughs) I don't think they're ever, ever going to want to do it again. I mean, it didn't help. It was absolutely freezing. We chose a terrible day to do it. The fish were kind of, I'm sure they were frozen solid in the bottom of the pond. That's my excuse anyway. Someone once said that there's a fine line between fishing and standing on the shore looking like an idiot. (laughs) I did hear a a story about a fishing club, though. Uh, And this club, for years, uh, fished very happily in a certain lake. Do you know, it was very beautiful, this lake, and the fishing had been really good. But what they noticed over time was that the fishing started to dry up. The number of fish, fishes, fish, that they caught uh, was decreasing. They didn't worry too much about it to begin with, well, because it was a lovely place, and um, they caught the occasional fish, so it was okay. But eventually, do you know, they couldn't ignore it any longer. They just weren't catching any fish. So, the chairman of the fishing club decided it was time to do something. Uh, He wanted to investigate the problem, so he sent out a few members to see what was happening. And he sent them out to where the river entered the lake. And what they discovered when they got there was that there was a blockage. There were these great big boulders that had blocked the entry for the fish to get into the river, into the lake. And they also (coughs) discovered it had probably happened because there was an earthquake and the river had been diverted to a new lake. So, because they were fishermen and they had their rods with them at the ready, they decided they'd have a go fishing in this new lake. So there they were, standing at the edge of the shore, fishing in this new lake. And you know, they could hardly believe it. The fish were biting so fast, it was like they were jumping out of the water into their nets. It was amazing. After a good fish, they took all their stuff back to the original lake so that they could report what had happened. So, being a good fishing club, they held a meeting to discuss it. They brought their report and they told about the blockage in the river. They told about how the river 
and all the fish had been diverted to another lake and they told about how fantastic the fishing was in this new lake. So the meeting reflected and came up with three options to solve the problem. So number one, they could carry on fishing in their current lake. It was really beautiful and they had all the comforts that they needed. They just have to put up with hardly ever catching any fish. Number two, they could move the club, club to the other lake to fish. Or number three, they could pray for another earthquake. Do you see? So we can stay as we are and see a little and dwindling harvest, or we can metaphorically move to the other lake. I wanted to ask you some questions at this point, if you've grasped that idea. Where do you think, for us, that lake is full of fish? And how do we do that? And how can we work as a community of believers to do that? Maybe you'll just spend a few minutes talking about that in your group. Um, and I wanted to take us back to the step thing which we started with at the <coughs> beginning. Uh, and to show you that we've talked about this throughout the year. We've talked about, haven't we, getting to know the, the first step, getting to know Christians, which is obviously the vital step for anybody who's going to go on a journey that will lead to Christ. Notice that it says, getting to know Christians, plural, uh, and this is about getting to know us as a group of believers, uh, and we've talked about how we might do that, you know, we haven't answered the question really, but it's about letting them see that we are a community of believers, but letting them see that Christianity works. That's the million dollar question we've been talking about all year, letting them get close enough to see that Christianity actually works and we have to do that intentionally taking it, taking Jesus with us into every relationship and encounter I think it could be quite simple you know if you have a friend who you are building a relationship with and you sense that God is at work introduce them to your Christian community maybe your small group or your other friends help them to get to know us. And I don't necessarily mean do that by bringing them into church to meet them. I mean taking your Christian community out there to meet them. Because if they get to know us as a, as a, a Christian community and start to belong with us, then when they, if they do ever decide that they want to come into the building to check us out, or you feel that the time is coming to invite them to something, it'll be okay because they already know loads of you and they'll feel comfortable. Um, this has certainly happened with a friend of mine who uh, I've known for nine years and um, I did a, a course with her five years ago. She wasn't interested. We've stayed friends. She has now actually become part of a group of us, a Christian community. So when she turned up at church out the blue last year, I nearly fell off my pew, she actually was so comfortable because she knows so many of us. She felt really at home actually. Funny thing is, a couple of weeks ago, I went to her birthday party at her house, a bit of a get-together, a group of girls, and, you know, there were five of us there, her and four of us from this church. Those were the people that she invited to her birthday party. We had a ball, actually, didn't we, Isabel? 
um, we're talking about karaoke. Anyway, we had a we had a great time, and you know, it's just an illustration of the point. She's she belongs, and, and I, you know, that is going to be fundamental in her becoming a Christian, I believe. So, so that means when people belong with us, when they come, if, if they do, it's not such a big step. So the next step on our, our, our vision thing is getting to know the gospel and um, exploring the gospel. Uh, I think that some of that can happen out there as well. Okay, you don't have to bring people on a course. You could start by telling them your story uh, as a beginning to start explaining the gospel. And you could do that as a group using your strengths together. Uh, we will run a variety of regular courses, obviously, but wouldn't it be great, you know, when the time comes for you to bring your friend and they'll feel all at home? Or you could even ship me in occasionally. That would be fine to your group where you are. What about this one, the greatest step, becoming a Christian? Surely that has, uh, has to happen in here? Well, actually, no, of course it doesn't. Um, I can equip you to do this bit as well, if you like. Uh, and, you know... This can be a bit of a journey as well. It can be a, a bit of a process, a bit of a long, drawn-out thing, but it can be. And, you know, when, when people do take this step, um, if they're in community with you, then naturally, you know, the community is going to continue. Someone who comes to faith like that, belonging to a group, is much less likely to say the prayer and walk away disillusioned because it's like they've tried on the clothes before they've bought They've thought about it really hard, and then they continue in that community. Now, and I realise that some of this, you know, explaining the gospel and stuff, is actually quite scary for some of you guys. Um, it's scary for me as well, actually, if I'm honest. But can you see the beauty of it, this working together as a community thing? Do you know, for some of us, getting to know people is really easy. And for some of us, it causes panic to be in a room full of strangers. Um, for some of us, hospitality is fun. And for some of us, cooking a meal throws us into panic. For some of us, listening is easy. And some of us get really easily distracted. For some of us, talking about God in our lives is natural. But for some of us, saying Jesus out loud out there causes us to freeze up. For some of us, seeing what people need and being able to resource it is second nature. But for some of us, unless someone tells us in words of one syllable what they need, we're not even aware that there was a problem. For some of us, explaining the gospel is as easy as falling off a log. And for some of us, we're not even sure if we understand it ourselves. For some of us, responding to difficult questions is thrilling, and for some of us, it's terrifying. Do you know, it's almost like we need each other to do this. It's almost like God made the church specifically for this. And, you know, maybe he did make it that way. I want to tell you another story about two families to, who come to this church. Uh, and they have the joy of really liking each other and living across the road from each other. They love Jesus and they want to make him known. One of them got an idea about trying to build relationships with those on their street. So they thought about who their neighbours are, and they thought about what their neighbours would like doing, 
and they thought about who they were as families and what their gifts and abilities are. And so they decided to use their hospitality gift, that was really strong in quite a few of them, and work as a team to make those opportunities for showing the love between them and building relationships with their neighbours. So for the last two summers, they've had barbecues, neighbourhood barbecues in one of the gardens where they've invited uh, all their neighbours, and they have had a Christmas drinks do. When I showed Adrian I was showing this picture, he was a little bit upset, but never mind. <laughs> it's just an illustration, okay? Now, what's the effect of this been? This teamwork, what's the effect of that been? Well, to, for the couples, the two couples, the two families involved, it's been amazing. Bonding, uh, organising and pulling this off together has been great fun. Um, and the neighbours, they're beginning to see the kind of the links between the, the families um, and the relationships between the Christian families and the non-Christian families is really building. And it's a bit like in Acts 2, the Christians are finding favour among the non-Christians. No one has come to Christ yet, but the door to talk about spiritual things is really opening for some of them as life is shared. There are loads of opportunities to offer to pray. And because we're upfront about it, it's easy to do that. Um, last Christmas found one of the Christians having a conversation with a neighbour about Jesus being the only way. It was brought up by the neighbour. And it was a, an easy and uh, uh, friendly encounter. There is no evangelistic address. There is no altar call. Just one-to-one -one conversation prompted by the Spirit. Like the time the Mormons turned up at one of the neighbours' houses. And the Christian, prompted by the spirit, noticed what was going on and went over to rescue her friend. Much to her friend's relief, actually. And then the conversation opened up after they'd left and an opportunity was there to give a Bible. There are lots of other examples about how working together as a team is causing Jesus to be made known in that street. Of the four adults, one does most of the spiritual conversation, because that's her gifting, whilst the others have worked to their strengths of hospitality, relationship building, and they're all able to tell their story when they need to. Everyone, including the children, are involved in doing the work of evangelism. And they need each other to be able to do this well. I'm not telling you this story because I think it's a pattern or a, or a program that you should follow. It's just an illustration, an example. It might be for your friends that you need to do something completely different. You might want to go bowling. You might want to do dancing. You might want to uh, have a book club. I don't know. There are lots of different things you can do. This is just an example of, of trying to bring Jesus to people. So... Where do we go as a church from here? Where has Tim's trail led us in the end? Well, I think we need to recognise that we're in this together and that we need each other's gifts and talents. And God made us to do this mission stuff as a team. We need to play our part as individuals in the networks that God has placed us in. And then we need to seek out other 
people from our community of believers that make up for the things that we're not good at and get them involved in our friends' lives. We need to use me and the team as a resource, like we talked about earlier. And then when your friend's at that point of starting to ask those questions and you're thinking, oh no, what am I going to do now? That might be the point to bring them along, help them to join a group. I think that if we work in partnership with God and each other, we can do that. It is possible. So, maybe now's the moment to offer you a challenge. I would like to challenge each of us to think about what part God wants us to play in his mission here in Ipswich. How does he want us to work out the Great Commission as we go about our daily lives? And I would like to challenge you to consider how you live a life holy and intentionally focused on loving him and other people. How do you work out obeying the Great Commandment? When you've thought about it and prayed about it, I'd like to challenge you to come and talk to me about it and we can look at ways of supporting you in that. I think if we play our part, I'm convinced that God can bless our efforts and many more will know, come to know him. And just think about the joy that you might feel when somebody's standing there, like Moira was this morning, their life changed and mentions the part of the journey that you were involved in. Wouldn't that be just fab and worth all the risk and effort? I'd really like to let Jesus have the last word tonight and for the whole year, really, um, as we draw to a close. And this is what he said. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Shall I just pray as we close? <clears throat> Father, I, I thank you for the journey that we've been on following Tim this year as a church. And I want to ask, Lord, that you would... Um, be with us, Lord. Help us to think about all these things and then maybe do something about it. Lord, I want, I want to ask that you would help us to move into action, Lord. I, I just want to ask, Lord, that you would help us as individuals in our daily lives, in that out there, Monday to Saturday kind of lives, that you would help us to take you with us in all that we do. And I pray you'd help us as a community of believers to, to support and encourage each other in that. And Lord, help us to believe that the harvest is plentiful. And that if we go out into the field, the harvest is plentiful. Lord, help us to have the courage to believe that. And, and lead us, Lord, as we try and reach those people that we love for you. So I ask, Lord, that you would just change us individually and as a church to be the church that you want us to be. Amen. Groups around the table.